All right. Welcome back to the Girl at the Game podcast. As always, I'm your host, Gabrielle. And as always, my co-host, Al, is here with me. Happy Friday, Al. Hey. Yeah, we're recording on Friday, May 8th. I thought it was Thursday. Yeah, I don't really know what day it is usually, but I have my iPhone in front of me and I'm staring at the lock screen. So we actually have some like real sports news to get into, like stuff we used to be used to off the field before COVID times. And unfortunately, (laughs) that has to do with a lot of, um, we'll say some domestic issues, some some more toxic hockey player stuff, and also Sarah Sivian, which will be a highlight of the episode. To be clear, Sarah Sivian is not the issue. Sarah Sivian is our guest today. It's just unfortunate that we recorded this interview with her before all of this hockey stuff went down because she's one of the smartest and most clever writers and hockey Twitter personalities. And it would have been great to get her perspective on this situation. But unfortunately, this interview was recorded a few weeks ago. And so we're going to have to talk hockey without her for this particular issue. Yeah, but we'll get into all that later. First things first, we want to throw a happy birthday shout out to Boston Celtic Kemba Walker. And UConn legend Kemba Walker and my favorite player Kemba Walker. Hope he has a great day. Sorry, we're just huge fans. So that's how we had to start had to give him some love even though he definitely doesn't listen to this podcast dream guest for me yeah, anyway. so open invite right out there also yesterday we had the nfl schedule come out gab what do you think about it i'll be honest surprisingly i have not looked at the nfl schedule i know that that's going to shock you and my father and every other football person on sports twitter but i have not looked at the football schedule for 2020 2021 For starters, super underwhelming first game of the year, Texans-Chiefs. So obviously you have to have the Chiefs in there. But, I mean, the Texans are just going to be so underwhelming. It'll be nice because it'll be football back. But, I mean, if you could have worked, like, the Ravens in there or even done a Super Bowl rematch, I don't know. I feel like there's going to be so much anticipation for this season and to start it with the Texans and, like, nothing against Deshaun Watson. But it's just... The Chiefs are literally returning all their starters pretty much from last year. And I don't know. I just can't see it being that compelling of a game. So is it kind of like if the World Series champion Washington Nationals had to play like the Angels or something, like not a terrible team, but just not like a super. Or not the Angels, because you know what? They have Trout and Rendon. I don't know what I'm talking about. Well, the Texans have J.J. Watt. So like it's no, it's a good comparison. I, I do know, love just... J.J. Watt. My fi- my fantasy team was named after him. I did fantasy football this year, and our team was actually really good until, unsurprisingly, just like so many injuries. Um, See, we were in first you... place for most of the season. See, you say you don't know football that well, but you're stringing stuff along. David Johnson was my first pick, and this plays into what we're about to talk about, but my rule for our draft was no domestic abusers or, like, assholes <laughs> on our team. <laughs> So well, good for you, because every year I somehow end up with like a bunch of scumbag Chiefs players on my fantasy football team that carry me to like Tyreek Hill, a better than mediocre. Yes, Tyreek Hill has been on my team the last two years. Exactly. I'm such a football expert now. This is great. Like, yeah, it's it's not great. I'm not proud of it. But um, back to the NFL schedule. A lot of primetime games for the Bucs. 
a lot. Now, I'm not an expert in any sports schedule, making their schedule for the entire league, but I know it takes a lot of time to make it so that all the teams are on like schedules that run. It's kind of like making sure that all the traffic lights in a city aren't green at the same time so all the cars don't crash into each other. But I'm assuming that the schedule for the Bucks was already mostly formalized before they got Brady and Gronk. So they designed this schedule with a ton of flexibility, obviously, because they don't know when the season's going to start because of the coronavirus. They have it worked in so that the Super Bowl can be moved, I think, within a span of three weeks, so that if necessary, during that three weeks, if they need to push it back, they can tack on like the first three weeks of the season that they missed. And by weeks with teams in the same division, a lot went into this to make it really, really flexible and maximize the amount of games played. Also, having that opportunity to push the season back will probably give the NFL like more opportunity to fill seats with fans if we do open up a season without fans in attendance. It's pretty cool if you have time to look into what they did. And it also means that for the first time, we're getting a game on Christmas. So that means we'll have NBA and NFL and potentially like the start of the NBA season for 2021 because there's talk about moving it back. You've said before that you would think the NBA should push their schedule back anyway so that they play deeper into the summer. I do think that at least in terms of like the NBA's profit margin and like TV ratings and stuff. It does kind of make more sense in terms of making the year more split a little bit more evenly because right now in the summer, if you don't like baseball, that's kind of your only option. Like how many times in the summer do you find yourself watching like, like you'll be flipping through the channels and like cornhole will be on. And like, obviously you watch it for five minutes. <laughs> if it's a sport that my grandmother can play, it's probably not something that you're going to watch for like two hours at a time. Right. But before we stray too far from the NFL, we have to talk about that TikTok last night. Yeah, I maybe it's just because like I'm old and by old, I mean, I'm like 26 years old, but I just I feel so old because being trapped inside for all of this time. TikTok is everywhere and I'm just not on it and I don't understand it. Like I'll see a TikTok video on Twitter or on Instagram, but I don't have the app. And some of these videos, I don't even understand how people make them. They're so impressive. But this guy, Frank Caliendo, he made... Yeah, Frank Caliendo can figure it out. I think you can. Well, yeah, but he's doing like... So his TikTok that we're talking about was like just him pretending to be different NFL coaches and like, you know, kind of SNL style when they do those audition things where they have all of their cast members who can do impressions pretend to be the people that they're impersonating. Like he's just pretending to be like Gruden and Belichick and stuff and like acting how they would act when they see the NFL schedule for the season that I could do. But I'm talking like people who are, you know, cloning themselves on TikTok using drones and all this kind of yeah, stuff. Yeah, There's some serious video editing prerequisites that go into that. But if you're a football fan, you should check out Frank Caliendo's TikTok. I think I retweeted it. It's just him pretending to be a bunch of NFL coaches, and it's hilarious. The impression of Belichick was pretty spot on. Spot on, right down to the sleeveless sweatshirt. I love the one of Bruce Arians where he's just like whiskey on the rocks in his hand, just swearing up a storm. It, it was, it's a good time. And um, the, the Jets coach just like looking at the schedule in absolute horror. <laughs> well, the Patriots should be the ones looking at the schedule in absolute horror. I mean, you take this number with a grain of salt or the stat with a grain of salt, the toughest predicted schedule this year. 
it's a number based on the teams from last year, which obviously are completely different now. But <laughs> it's just like this Patriots season is going to be so weird. I feel like it's just going to be surreal. Yeah, well, it can't be worse than however the Red Sox season will play out if and when it does play out because we have no pitchers. I guarantee you the Red Sox are the first team to have a position player pitching because we have a two-man starting rotation. That's why they might benefit from a shortened season, though. Oh, they definitely will. I mean, we've talked about this. Like, the Yankees had so many injuries coming into spring training. Like, Aaron Judge was hurt. Stanton's hurt again. But with all this time off, like, a lot of these guys, apparently Judge is pretty much healed at this point. Could literally start the season without having missed a single game. And the Red Sox, like, that's just not the situation. Yeah. We'll touch a little more briefly on the Patriots' schedule. And then we have some... It's just a whirlwind of a story that I'm excited to talk about. But... Dolphins week one for the Patriots. I mean, the AFC East is going to be so up in the air. So I guess that'll just give us a look at what the Patriots like really are going to be this season. Because I mean, the Dolphins always give them trouble. Maybe that was Tom Brady not being able to play down south in the heat late in the season. But that'll just be a good benchmark game. I mean, obviously, it's the first game of the season. So obviously, it's going to give us a look at what they're going to look like. Then you get into a stretch where you have Seattle at Seattle, the Raiders, Chiefs in Kansas City, Broncos, 49ers, Bills, Jets, Ravens, Texans, Cardinals, Chargers, Rams in LA, Dolphins in Miami, finish the season at home with the Bills and the Jets. This is going to be a Patriots team that like we see the graphic at the end of the season where it's like they're in the hunt, like eight and eight, maybe. What do you think it's going to be like when um, the Pats play the Bucks? Well, who knows? Because that won't be till 2021. So, I just like, meant from like a even... Brady Gronk perspective. I feel like there are some people who are like, you know, screw Tom Brady. I'm burning my jersey, like whatever. And then there are the people who are like, I'll support Tom wherever he goes. It'll just be interesting to see like what Twitter's like for the Pats Bucks first meet when Tom Brady's on the other side. I mean, I think for the most part, people will support him. I think it definitely depends. I think they're going to be so fun to watch the Bucks. Like, look at that offense. If they can put I together totally a good line know what you're to protect, about. If put together, so if they can put together a good line to protect Brady, like that, the whole division, the NFC South, is going to be so fun to watch as it is. And like the first week, we get to see them play Drew Brees and the Saints. I think if the Bucks have a really good season and it's fun to watch, I don't see Tom like coming into Gillette if the game's at Gillette in 2021. And I don't know, there's no scenario where I can see him getting booed there. I think it would be a pretty dick move to boo Tom Brady if after he gave New England like six rings. Yeah, he's going to get a great reception here. I just feel like it's not like a Jacoby Ellsbury situation where like Jacoby Ellsbury was just kind of a dick. Like Tom Brady just, you know, he was with his team for like literally 20 years and He deserves to, you know, do what he wants. Like he's earned, he's earned that right. He's earned the right to leave and try something else. Like six rings. You can't be happy for a guy who gave you all of that. And then, you know, is well within his right to want to try something else. Tom Brady's playing with people who were born when he started his career. That's like where he's at now. Yeah. That's why I think we should all just like enjoy it while we can, regardless of how we feel about him leaving one day he's going to be retired. I think it would have been nice if he'd retired as a Patriot and was like, you know, a Ted Williams where he yeah, it's played such an for honorable the team. Thing. Yeah, Jeter. 
Because that's like, that's really rare nowadays. Like there are players in baseball who like their thing is that they've like Steve Pierce played for every team in the American League East. It's rare to have a player who's just like a franchise guy, but that's not up to us. I get it. But uh, anyway, should we talk about the drama? This is a good transition, (laughs) I guess. This is just so much fun. I mean... Where do you begin fun, with this story? I don't know if fun's the right word. It's just like oh, tantalizing. No. So it all starts. We'll paint the picture. <laughs> the other night, Earl Thomas posts a cryptic. Was it on Instagram? An Instagram live? Yeah, he posted like an Instagram being like, I want to get ahead of this story or something. He's talking about how TMZ has obtained some information. So Earl posts this video and you think he hit his wife. And we're all going to learn about it tomorrow morning. He's like, pray for us. We're working through it. And then the story actually comes out in the morning. And and you're surprised that that was what he said. Opposite. Before we get into this, someone made a really good point on Twitter that if the roles had been reversed and it had been him who'd attacked his wife, because the woman attacked the man, there's like people online being like, well, he was cheating on her and blah, 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 trying to justify it. I just think it's, it's interesting how we view male assault versus female assault because there's been a lot more mocking of earl thomas for getting assaulted by his wife than there has been of like vilifying nina thomas for assaulting her husband i'll be honest i think that there is that is one true double standard like yeah and i'm guilty of it like i'm reading this story the police report so the cops say that nina found out he was cheating and that he was renting out Airbnbs with his brother to have women over. So she, first of all, calls her girlfriends up. It's like that scene in the town where they're like, all right. Like whose car are we taking? Like, her friends hop in the car with her with knives. <laughs> she has a loaded gun and just went in there to, to scare the shit out of Earl. And just like walks up into the Airbnb, holds a gun to his head, tells all the women there, I got something for all you hoes. It's something out of like a movie for sure. But it also, it's a little scary because I didn't read the police report, but I read, I don't remember which outlet it was, not TMZ. <laughs> and it said that the safety was off and her finger was on the trigger, but she had taken like the clip out, but she didn't know that there was a round in the chamber. So like, yeah, she could so... have legitimately killed him. Like she came right up to him with that gun and it's just crazy. And also like she found out that he was cheating on her because of his Snapchat location. It's a lot. And then I saw on her Instagram that she recently underwent like a surgical procedure to prevent cervical cancer. So there's just like a lot going on in that family. And clearly he's led her to the point where she feels the need to blow up his spot with a loaded gun and just cause a scene like that. His birthday was also yesterday and she got him like this blinged out chain. The whole situation is just like, I don't find it funny. I find it crazy, but it's also just like, you know, especially when there's kids involved, it's one thing if it's just like a man and a woman, but they have three young kids. Like their son is like a year old. Yeah. That's why it's sad that it it was leaked. I mean, that's unfortunate. I feel like my mom's not going to like this episode of the podcast. We'll just tell our moms not to listen to this one. Probably a good transition into, uh, the Brendan Speaking of terrible men, I feel bad because it's like a lot of my followers are men and there are some really wonderful men in the world. And this is not like a men are terrible. Like we've said this from the beginning. This is not a men are terrible show. 
That being said, this has been a bad week for men in sports. Unlike Earl Thomas, who is just like a cheater. I mean, I am not super familiar with like the hockey world. I remember like a year or so ago, there was that wife of a hockey player who was sending like horrible messages to the wife of another hockey player or something. But Washington Capitals player Brandon Leipzig. So messages from Leipzig were leaked on social media. They're like Instagram DMs with friends of his, including um, a player on the Florida Panthers. There's like everything from like his brother's on it too. Yeah, his brother's on it. Um, So there's like sexism, misogyny, fat shaming, just like appearance shaming. It's it's pretty much like the most stereotypical, disgusting frat boy behavior, the kind of stuff that the president of the United States calls locker room talk. It's really the kind of thing where it's like, you know, to anyone who claims that there aren't men in the world who genuinely have hatred for women, read those DMs. I've received DMs like that. These are just men who have deep-seated hatred for women and serious issues with themselves. And his apology was like, first of all, definitely something that was not written by him. It's got bad PR company written all over it. Textbook PR statement. There's like nothing genuine about that. And it's just yet another indicator of like how toxic the sports world can be for women. Just the way that Like, think about being a female reporter, and this is like apropos of the fact that we're going to talk with Sarah Sivin a little later in this episode, being a female reporter and knowing that there are guys in locker rooms who think this way and not feeling comfortable being able to interview them or write about them without being treated this way. Like, these are women who were just existing in the world, and these guys are just talking about them like this. That's my thing. We all have group chats with our friends where we talk shit about people like I'm not going to sit here and be holier than thou but they would literally not even be in a conversation and it would be Brendan just sending them random girls Instagram stories and finding the most petty like ruthless shit to chirp them about was it Connor McDavid posted a picture of him and his girlfriend and he's like making fun of McDavid's girlfriend for having like bruises on her knee And it's like, dude, you wish you could land a girl like Connor McDavid's girlfriend. Like, you are no Sidney Crosby dude. And I just wish I could say I was surprised by it all. But I went to two different hockey schools. And I will say that the bad apples in hockey when it comes to women and just this narcissistic ego, they are worse than any other sport. And I say that as someone who's covered all four sports in college and as someone who was a college girl, like dating and dealing with men on that level. I don't know what it is about the privilege of hockey with like how expensive it is growing up and it's predominantly white, predominantly like Northern states, but the ego is just out of control and it's so toxic. You hear about the shit in hockey all the time. Like I think it was the Edmonton Oilers players or like the Ottawa Senators or whatever talking shit about their coach ruthlessly and the Uber that you heard about. You constantly hear between the AHL and the NHL about racial remarks towards African-American players. You just saw that two weeks ago. And it's just like hockey has a huge problem with the character of its players. And I think it really flies under the radar because the domestic violence stories you see in the NFL kind of hold a little more weight, especially in the news. But I'm just not surprised. And I, I, some of my best friends were college hockey players that I met. And 
this is obviously like I'm not generally speaking. There's a lot of good dudes. I have a lot of friends that I keep in touch with to this day. But the assholes and like the extreme cases are worse than I've seen in basketball, in football, in baseball. Look, I'm not super familiar, but I've seen enough on social media to see how toxic it seems. One of the women who was targeted in their group chat messages, her name's Nicole, and I can't pronounce her last name, but she's beautiful. And she took the little like screen grabs of his messages and posted an Instagram, clipping them all over a picture of herself, like as kind of like a, you know, fuck you and captioned oh, it like brooke davis does in yeah, one Tree Hill. exactly i was gonna say did you ever see one yes. Tree Hill where brooke like writes all over it. the projector thing so that's basically what she did and she captioned it no point in focusing on the terrible things people say about you when there are way more positive things that you can be celebrating which i think i'm gonna make that like my motto love because that. love that in the aftermath like so his little brother was part of all this played college hockey his college hockey he team got released him they the placed him is- on unconditional waivers an hour ago for purposes of terminating his contract. So bye, Brendan Leipzig. Peace. We will not miss what you. Douchebag coke fiend, too. That's the other thing. Like <laughs> every other message and- was either just like talking shit about a girl or talking about doing blow off of like the counter. Here's the thing. If it was me and I had the A, God-given ability to play a professional sport and the opportunity to play a professional sport and all of the good things like the money, um, the, the money and the ability to make this world a better place that come from being a professional athlete, I would not do a damn thing to mess it up. I don't know what it is about these guys that they think they are untouchable and immortal. But if I was like, like you see it with when we find out that like a baseball player has been suspended for domestic violence or for doing drugs also, like any of these athletes, I'm like, you are getting paid millions of dollars to play games for a living. You get to see the world and, you know, you get free stuff. And I'm not saying it's an easy thing. Like being an athlete is incredibly difficult and taxing on your body and stressful. But if I had all of the benefits that came from being a professional athlete, I would not do a thing to mess it up. I Like, it's just crazy to me that these guys, like, this guy is so hateful and stupid. So that that's he just thing is, like... Ruined his career. Yeah, and, like, I get it. It was a private conversation with your boys. And, like, some of the stuff, like, where he's making fun of his old line mates, we've all been there with our friends talking shit about other people. But for someone to hack your account like that and air all that shit out, or even if it wasn't hacked, even if it was just someone that was in the group chat with him that was like, I fucking can't take this dude anymore. Like, I'm leaking this. For someone to do that to you and call you out like that, essentially ruin your career, you had to really, really, really upset someone. The whole thing's just crazy. And, you know, reading those messages, he's making oink oink jokes, calling women pigs and stuff. The making way fun of when she's holding like a newborn baby in her hands up to the like, ice. Like... Also, like you could never be pregnant and birth a child. Men, men crumple if they're kicked in the balls. Women birth children and create life. Like, shut up. It's absolutely ridiculous to me. Yeah, I get it. You could probably bench press me. But you know what? I can give birth to a child and you could literally never. It's so toxic and pathetic. And you know what? I mean, I don't know about you, but like my girlfriends and I, and you and I, when we text, we don't analyze photos of men and be like, oh, he's fat or like, oh, he's ugly. No, men are always talking about how women look. 
I'm sure it was only like little snippets. I'm like, hopefully you like to think they talked about normal shit too in this group chat, but it was still like just so petty. And it's just like, it brought me back to like middle school, like straight yeah. out of girls. It looks like the league has handled it pretty well. And uh, that's my piece on it. I don't want to talk about yeah, this let's just, anymore for a let's long time. Let's just not. I no. Um, <laughs> I know that we're getting super, like we're bumming out super hard, um, but we do have one more thing to talk about in terms of like social media and athletes and just bad situations. But of course the difference, there's a major difference between the Earl Thomas situation, the Brendan Leipzig situation and the situation we're about to talk about, which is no fault of the own of the athlete because it's just a crazy situation of, Giannis. I can't, I always, Giannis Ante Contapunto. Yeah, I I'm can't pronounce that. Or I can spell it out without referencing <laughs> so this was through no fault of his own but Giannis from the Bucks and I'm only referring to him by his first name because I don't think after everything he's been through this week that he deserves to also have me butchering his last name but Giannis got his entire life hacked and it is so we can't even read these tweets on the air <laughs> yeah I was going to Twitter yesterday starting my shift at work and I just see Giannis tweet Fuck LeBron James. He hired a hitman on me. And that's and like, like probably the that's probably the safest one of all of these tweets, too. I'm like, yo, this league, what's going on? Click on the profile. I the next one I see is uh I'm going to the Warriors. And I'm like, okay, yeah, I heard a bunch of Warriors Yanish trade rumors today. And then I keep yeah. looking. Obviously the hitman thing was a little far fetched, but I was like, maybe it's a joke. And then I keep scrolling and it's like oh, wow, accusations of the Milwaukee Bucks being racist, talking crap about Chris Middleton, really crude, inappropriate stuff about Steph Curry's wife, Aisha. And, like black of course, things about Kobe Bryant, which... Yeah, just really deme- uh, defaming a, a dead person. Just, like... Not great. Very shocking. <laughs> and then his, his brother, who's on the Lakers replied to a couple of the tweets and was like, this isn't him. He was hacked, which I think if it had just been like the guy being like, you know, hacking him and being like, I'm going to the Warriors, like no one's going to believe that he wasn't hacked. These are crazy well, the first, tweets. Like the tw- Some of the tweets like were funny and like the NBA is so dramatic that like seeing someone hack his account, saying the stuff about LeBron hiring a hitman on him when they're both like competing for MVP of the league, like, that's kind of funny. And like the Warriors stuff, pretty funny. I feel like if I were to hack someone's account like that, I would just go for comedy. But they just took it to a very racist and honestly like disgusting level. And it wasn't great to see on the Twitter timeline yesterday. No, I the thing I keep coming back to is that we need so much more positivity in the world. And instead, like this time is just truly bringing out the worst in so many people and I get it it's hard people are depressed and grieving and anxious and there's like no legitimate end in sight but take a second before you decide to say something nasty to a person especially if it's just like a person you don't know or a person who isn't interacting like obviously if someone's rude to you they hit first but Like, there's so much just unprovoked nastiness in the world. Like, these women who the, like, NHL players were targeting, talking about people and being cruel, I will never understand it. 
But can we talk about something positive? Because we have something positive to talk about. And I, quite frankly, my (laughs) tank is on empty for the negativity stuff. Please. I'm so excited about this segment. It's definitely already one of my favorite segments and we haven't even done it before. One of the things that we love to do on girlatthegame.com is talk about athletes who are not only good athletes, but even better people. And so we're turning it into a segment for the podcast called Good Athlete, Better Person, where we highlight an athlete who is doing something to make the world a better place. And there are so many athletes who are doing amazing things all the time. But the person that we wanted to start off with is already a Boston Celtics fan favorite because he is just the sweetest gentle giant in the world. I'm obviously talking about Taco Fall. And he's been going on Instagram live and doing something called Tall Tales with Taco, where he reads a children's book on his Instagram live. I didn't know he was doing this at first, but yesterday I was on Instagram and I got like the notification that said Taco Fall is going live with Ennis Cantor. And I was like, okay, I love these guys. Like, oh, like I've, I need to procrastinate. Let's see what they're doing. And they were reading the Eric Carle book, Brown Bear, Brown Bear together. And I was legitimately smiling so hard that I had tears in my eyes. It just totally turned my day around. And Taco is like a big mental health advocate. And he gave an interview where he was talking about how important it is to take care of your mental health, especially right now, and saying that, you know, the state of the world can get like really depressing. And it's especially important with athletes because for athletes, a lot of the times you don't see that side of them. You just see them. And he says this, he says, they only see us on the court competing every night, having fun, just going out to fans and always putting on a smile. But sometimes all that kind of stuff can get draining. And that's very similar to the situation right now. A lot of people are out of their comfort zone. Sitting at home might be a little depressing. And so he's, he's doing this, like, I think it's every week they read a book and then they do a Q and A with fans they read The Very Hungry Caterpillar, Clifford the Big Red Dog, and a book called Dragons Love Tacos, which I think is so cute. Things like this just bring me so much joy. And it was clear from the comments that they brought other people joy too. He's just doing something so simple, but so sweet. And it just shows you that even the smallest gesture and action can make such a huge difference. Like I, it totally uplifted me yesterday. And it just shows you what a difference something so simple can do to make someone else's day better. It just made me so happy. Yeah, these Celtics rookies just get it. I mean, he's only 24 and he's doing this. It's incredible. And it also just also highlights like not to go back to the negative stuff, but you have these athletes who are doing so much amazing stuff. It only further proves like how easy it is to make a positive difference in someone's life versus a negative one. Like he's having fun with it. People are having fun with it. Just like shout out Taco Fall. Like so happy you're a Celtic. Took me right back to childhood too because my sister loved Brown Bear, Brown Bear as a kid. It just made me smile. I, you know, and we need more things that make us smile right now. Good athlete, better person. That's my favorite segment we've ever done. (laughs) So now we're going to let you guys listen to our interview with the Athletics' Sarah Sivian. She covers the Carolina Hurricanes, but she's a Boston girl, briefly covered the Bruins. She's around our age and just such an incredibly talented writer who's already accomplished so much in her career. She's also an expert at taking down Twitter trolls. Ladies, if you need some help, you can definitely learn a thing or two from her about being a total badass online. Everybody just, everybody just bad. 
Okay. So we are super thrilled and excited to have with us Sarah Sivian from The Athletic and Badass Hockey Writer. Sarah, how are you doing in quarantine or isolation or whatever we're calling this time in our lives right now? I feel like quarantine has the dramatic thing that I crave. So that's what I've been calling it. Um, isolation is doesn't really do the trick. I mean, every five minutes, I think my mood changes. I'm like, oh, this is fine. I can do this. I'm like working out. I'm walking around. I'm like calling my mom. And then like an hour later, I'm like three white claws deep. Like what the hell just happened? <laughs> Damn, remember White Claw Summer? That feels like a really long time ago. I don't want to talk about it. I feel like pretty soon we'll still be able to be able to congregate on like patios and back decks and like still have some variation of a White Claw Summer, just not in like day drink form. I guess we'll see. I don't know. How are you guys doing? I mean, I feel like even once they tell us that we're like able to go places again, I'm still going to be really nervous to go places. Yeah. You know, there are definitely going to be those people who the second the quarantine bans or the social distancing bans are lifted in Boston, there's definitely going to be those people lining up for brunch in Southie. But I was already like a germaphobe before this and stuff. So I think for me, it's going to take me a little bit of time to feel comfortable being in places with tons of people. I'm also super claustrophobic as a person, though. So like <laughs> this has only fueled my anxieties. I think I just miss the most is just like actual work being on site. Can you relate to that at all, Sarah? Because you're traveling, you're like the, your, your season when your workload was just about to get so intense. And now it's just like this stagnant pause. Yeah, dude, it was surreal. We were all sitting at this restaurant in New Jersey next to the hotel, just kind of, um, I had heard rumblings that the game against the Devils would be canceled the night before. And then I'm hanging out with Amanda Stein, who's awesome. And she's uh, the Devil's reporter. And we're like, all right, I guess we should prepare for that. Maybe like, we'll see. And then everything came. We were just sitting there and five minutes. It was like, Tom Hanks has coronavirus. And then um, it was the March 11th. And then the, um, yeah, the NBA Rudy, came out, Rudy Gobert. Yeah. And then the NBA pauses. Yep. Yeah. What a night. I was on the desk at Nesson that night too. Yeah. Just surreal watching it all play out while working yeah so morning skate gets canceled and I'm like okay um let's prepare and I'm just like waiting as the minutes go on and then I text Hurricanes Media Relations like um so like are we going home like and he's like all right hold on and then we found out that we the Hurricanes stayed at the same hotel as Rudy from the Fast. So we're like, oh God. And then everything just kind of fell apart at once. And we had such a schedule. Like it was the most busy schedule in NHL and I had finally mentally prepared for it. Every single weekend, it was a travel back-to-back. -back. Then it was just like, oh, you're actually going to stay home where you never are for an indefinite amount of time. So it drives me crazy to be home because I'm never home. Maybe I'm like, it's good to learn how to not have to be busy all the time. I feel like that week was like the epitome of the scene in, in Anchorman where he's like, well, that escalated quickly. Like we went from like wondering if things were going to happen to like all of a sudden Tom Hanks and Rudy Gobert in like a half hour span and all of a sudden sports are just like gone. Yeah, NHL the next day and then everything, the domino yeah. fell and it just... I will never forget just kind of being there and waiting, just wondering what was going to happen and being like, well, they have to cancel the season. And then being like, oh, my God, they're canceling the season. What is it? Yeah, like, and they took a pretty long time to do it, the NHL. 
yeah like comparatively to like the NBA just shutting down when like especially when the NHL shares so many home arenas with the NBA I was surprised that like especially with the Bruins because you know the Jazz and the Celtics had played each other right before all of that happened and Marcus Smart then got coronavirus and I was surprised the Bruins and like they still had a morning skate the day after yeah it was my understanding that the team's themselves kind of in the dark and going game by game while the owners and the GMs were kind of figuring out what to do. Who knows how to handle a situation like that? But I think that's why it was so like one team was still doing a morning skate and one team just like called off the season. And so like they just extend the quarantine too. What are your thoughts on when the NHL returns? I know they just like release that statement and seem eager that there will be a season, but... I mean, everybody like is trying to weigh in on this, and I'm like, I'm not a doctor. <laughs> you know I mean, yeah. like, I know I always, I'm a firm believer that the virus is the timeline, and that needs to be obeyed. Um, but I do, I know how bad the players want to finish out the season, and they might just do it over the summer. It all depends on the virus, but I know they just for financial reasons, for finality reasons, they played so much of this regular season already. Um, they might speed up process and do kind of a an extended playoff or something like that I could see that and then push back the season to November I mean that would just be messy like I'm stressed out thinking about that but that might be the best option we're just really gonna have to see if the virus like slows down did I miss another extension of uh yeah, I'm like, wait, what? Quarantine, <laughs> because like I just saw on Twitter that the California governor called sports and other large events quote unlikely this summer. The pos- and he said the prospect of mass gatherings is negligible at best until we get to herd immunity and get to a vaccine. So, but did I, Al? Did I miss? Did I miss something? <laughs> like, <laughs> or maybe might have missed this too. Um, I'm trying to think. I think it was this morning. Oh God. That they extended um a league wide self-quarantine period for the players oh the nhl yeah yeah which is like unsurprising so they could resume the season without fans right mayor walsh is supposed to talk to like the media or something for boston at like six o'clock or something and i was like oh great what fresh hell is this going to bring (laughs) right every second it's like what else else there's a tornado yesterday morning yeah honestly i'm over it so Sarah, how has this impacted your like writing style? Because like you guys over at The Athletic get to do pretty creative stories all the time. But like, do you feel like it's drastically changed for you from a working standpoint? I mean, it's funny because I actually have two, two I've been so negative lately, but this week I've just been kind of more positive. But I think it's because I have a few exciting projects lined up that I actually had the time right. to get to. Like I have a story about Penn State hockey that I really am procrastinating because I keep changing it because I love them and I want to make sure I'm doing them justice. But um, it's really shown the importance of developing good relationships to me because everyone's like access, access, access. Like that's not what it used to be. And of course it isn't. But at the same time, if you make good relationships, it's like this is more access than I would have gotten pre-quarantine. And it's about... um, their season just ending like that March 11th, March 12th day and like how they all probably could have won the national championship. But then it's just like, nope, go home, actually go back to Russia if you can, like, like all in one day. But um, 
I'm excited for that stuff. Obviously, it's been really weird to try to get into a schedule. Like I always write at a coffee shop or I always write at the room. And it's really hard for me to focus at home. But other than that, I'm also watching um, the 2006 Cup with some of the former Canes like on um, on a call. So I'm excited for that. Just trying to get cool. creative, right? You just have to get creative or don't. Yeah, I feel like one thing we'll get out of this is like a ton of really, really good feature reporting and like those long form like 15 minute reads that like we all I don't know about you guys but like that's my style that's my favorite thing to write that's my favorite thing to read that's what got me into sports writing so like I'm excited for all the content that's gonna come out like that yep I've been complaining about not being able to do that um for a few months now now I'm like oh, this is hard, but it's rewarding. So I'm excited for my Penn State one to come out soon. That's where you went to school, right? Yes. Yeah. So I got to, like, I had a relationship with the senior class and um, kind of the people in the media there and like the, the PR. And I just really wanted to write this because they're such great kids and I don't want that to ever get lost in the history of all this, you know? So it's important to me and like, I forgot how stressful writing something that you want to be actually like really good is, but that's such a good, like I'm embracing it. Totally relate to that. I also did like a passion project like that for my senior thesis in college about my hometown and like the soccer culture there and how intense it is like in this small little Western mass town where like the boys soccer team has won, I think like 20 something division one state championships and like it was just like a crazy stretch of dominance and it was just like those passion projects that you can just like you're forced to dive into it's I'm really looking forward to getting into those too yeah that's awesome like I'm really trying to take advantage of this stuff that we can even though I mean every five minutes it's like don't have you seen that tiktok that's like don't get depression don't get depression (laughs) I have not, but I I love your rendition of it. I am not on TikTok. That's like, I think I'm, I feel too old. TikTok's like the thing, you know how you feel like you're really young and then there's like a bunch of high schoolers that just show you that like, you're actually really old. And like TikTok for me is like that thing where it's like, I just don't have the energy to learn another skill. And I just like, I'll watch TikToks that show up on, you know, Twitter or Instagram, but I don't have TikTok. I, I already embarrassed myself enough on multiple social media channels without having a TikTok. Oh, yeah. yeah. I'm not like out here posting videos. I posted one on my friend's TikTok, but I'm a lurker. And I'm realizing that this, <laughs> these teens are so funny. I'm like, you got, they're making me laugh. I'm like, good for them. I'm proud of them. Yeah, you're so right. It's funny because I downloaded the app and made an account because, believe it or not, my mother kept sending me them. And my mom and stepdad are avid TikTokers, and I don't know how or why this happened, but two people. Wait, in Al, do they make do they make TikToks? Or they do they don't make watch? them, they but they love their videos and like their little curations that they've created for themselves yeah. and send them to me constantly. So I had to my, make. My boyfriend mom also watches them. I'm trying to send them to my parents, and just nobody's responding. So. <laughs> So um, just to go back to like the passion project stuff you were talking about I've in like at Penn State, um, we definitely wanted to ask you about your just like rise in journalism and like your path because like you're so young and you're already like, I assume you got like poached to go right at The Athletic from EEI and just like you've done it all so quickly. 
I have to gas you up for a little bit, but you're just so funny and witty on like every platform you touch. I want to hear about like this rise in hockey writing notoriety that you've reached your journey. Um, okay. Hey guys, welcome to my channel. Okay. I think um, <laughs> my, your first mistake, if you're trying to ask me for advice is saying, Hey, I'm a huge hockey fan. Just wondering how you got into hockey journalism because you have to be a huge writing fan before you're a huge hockey fan. Like you have to be able to write about ping pong, I think. I tell people that a lot just because, yeah, I grew up, I always loved writing. I was a history major just so I could like write more. And like, that was my, t I wasn't sure where I was going with it, but I, my talent was writing and not like anything. But I mm -hmm. always loved hockey. And I, when I was homesick at Penn State, I would just start tweeting about the Bruins. And then I started writing for SB Nation, just kind of like turning those tweets into stories and um, like kind of jokes and like just easy gamers and stuff like that. And then uh, I lived in the same building as some of the hockey guys at Penn State. And they, it was so interesting watching them go from club to D1. And they were like, I think it was their first year of D1. Yes, that was when I was a freshman. And, uh, but they weren't at the new rink yet. And they were like, hey, come to our games. And it was like, okay, I'm going to come to a hockey game. I miss hockey so much. And I was just like, oh, I could write about this too. And um, it was fascinating to see kind of like them transition to the new rink and like all the, the behind the stuff, behind the scenes stuff. I kind of just fell in love with knowing that I could tell a story that nobody had heard about people that they like. So a lot of my friends wrote for this blog at college. So I just started writing there too and weaseled my way into the hockey coverage. And then I just kind of kept at it and just got, just fell in love with writing about hockey, not just watching hockey or going to a hockey game. It's like the ins and outs of the game and like how it feels to write a story. So after that, obviously my Twitter was growing mostly because of like jokes I was telling, not because of stories, but like you find a way to use your Twitter presence for your own benefit, like posting stories. And I think I've always been good at that. I don't know. I think the fact that I grew up on the streets of Twitter, like kind of yeah. now, and obviously it hurts me, but it's like in some ways, but not a lot of people in hockey are funny. So uh, yeah, like, you're so think, right. Yeah, I think that's why I got noticed kind of quick because it stands out when you're not just like being a reporter, but you're also writing stories. I don't know. Like I always looked up to Pete Blackburn because it was like the one funny person in hockey. He is so yeah. exceptional at Twitter too. Yeah. Like and trolling Twitter because his tweets always go so viral. So whenever he catches the people that don't know him, like freaking out in his mentions, it's always so funny. His brand is strong and he's really good at not crossing the line. But yeah, that's, I definitely looked up to him. And then I'm like, also, I love to write stories. So it's kind of different, I think, because it's not really either or. And um, I'm trying to figure out still what I am, but I love to write stories and to tell jokes. Yeah, I mean, that's me for baseball. And like you said, the one good thing I feel like that's come out of this time is that I know that right now, if there was no coronavirus and we were just living life as usual, everything I'd be writing would be like, the Red Sox pitching sucks. The Red Sox pitching is a disaster. So-and-so is having Tommy John. Everything is terrible. And 
And I know this because like we all knew what was coming for the Red Sox, but also because I'm never going to be that person that can just be like, everything's great. The Red Sox are perfect when like literally they have no pitchers. But instead, I've gotten to write about, you know, Al Kaline. And yesterday, I did an entire article about the time in 2008 that this Red Sox fan construction worker buried a Red Sox jersey in the construction at the new Yankee Stadium to try and curse the Yankees. And it ended up costing the Yankees $50,000 to extract it from the concrete. That's awesome. And, And it's like, it's fun to look back on stuff like that and get to write about you know, because everyone's always like, you have as many hours in a day as Beyonce. And it's like, first of all, yeah, but none of us are Beyonce. And I otherwise would not be able to devote any time to writing about stuff like that, because I'd have to write about current stuff to stay current. But right now, there is no current, there's just this weird limbo state that we're all in. And so at the very least, I'm enjoying kind of trying to be creative about it. Yeah, absolutely. I definitely had a few meltdowns at first and I'm oh, like, I sure. still am, but it's like, cause I don't want to be like, Oh yeah. Like I'm, cause I'm getting kind of annoyed with like, I know people should live their lives, but I'm like seeing people use this as a time for whatever. I'm like, okay, but like we're in a global pandemic. It's okay to not do that. But at the same time, it's okay to do that too. <laughs> I feel like yeah, right like now. When it's... else are we going to have a time to just like freaking chill out? everyone always expects you to be on 24 seven now. Cause it's like, if you have a phone, you can respond to my email, you can text me back. So the idea of like disconnecting from literally everything and everyone is something that people just don't think is acceptable now because you have the ability to be connected all the time. And it's like, honestly, super unhealthy that we all think that we're supposed to be doing stuff at every single minute of the day. Oh yeah. I just want to read a book. I don't think I remember how to read a book, but I, I want to try. You probably read like a book a day in articles. So that's what I think. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. Yeah. I guess that reading makes up for pleasure. The fact that I've been reading the same book for pleasure since July. What book? It's called Baseball's Greatest Experiment. It's like about the like global ramifications of Jackie Robinson integrating Ooh. baseball. And it's absolutely amazing. But the problem is I, I get into bed and I read it. And because I'm so tired all the time, I just end up falling asleep after three pages. And so even though it's only like 300 pages long, I've just been making a very slow progress. You go, girl. So I've always wondered with you, Sarah, because you grew up around here. You left for college. But like, I assume your fan allegiances were with the Bruins growing up. What was it like leaving to go to a different team was it the year before the title run that you switched? Yeah. And you know what? Um, if it was any, I mean, no, I don't really care. But like the Hurricanes were the story of the season, title yeah. run or not. So that was um, awesome to cover. And like I, I knew it would be because Rod Brindamore and because um, the some media relations people kind of called me before and were like, this is going to be a special season. Like it, it'll be great for you to cover. And I, okay, here's the deal. Um I found it so hard to interview players when I was covering the Bruins because it's like Zadara. Like I tried to name my dog after him. Like I played defense because of him. Like one time I got to his scrum before the the, um, TVs and stuff. And he goes, Oh my God, I think we're going to be on TV. Like as a joke. And I was like, Holy shit. They know Chara seriously cracking a joke with me right now. And I'm like, okay, this is not, I, it was an honor and I loved covering them for like, the short amount of time, but it just was not the way to start my career. And I or I had been feeling that even when I was covering them. So I one day, do you, go, do you know Mike Loftus? I don't. Okay. He's um, just amazing. He 
in Patriot Ledger. He covers the Bruins and like um, local hockey and local sports. And he, I had a real talk with him. I'm like, I got this job offer for the athletic. Should I like, I don't want to leave home, but I think it's an opportunity. And he said, just go, we're always going to be here. And that's so true. Like Boston sports always be there. And I, I needed to go to a young, exciting team with, stars that are budding that I have not yet tried to name my dog after you know what I mean like yeah I just, like, yeah it's very hard Same, to talk like to Chara <laughs> yeah my dog's name is Brady too so <laughs> totally understand oh. I imagine it would be so different than what covering the Bruins is like just because of kind of the media circus in Boston sports how different is the access you get with the Hurricanes I mean <laughs> I'm the only one that travels that's an independent report and I travel on their plane. So it's really like a lot of access and um, it's mutually kind of beneficial, I think, because I am getting the word out on like a national level of like very small details about the hurricanes while they are letting me have access to them. And I like, they know that I'm not here to like bust people's balls about things that don't matter. I want to, I'm not afraid to be hard on them at all. And I am and nothing happens, but I'm here to like, mostly like you said that you love doing long form stories. That's what I love to do. And that's to, especially cause I'm like a, a young, like they're same age as them. Like it's easy to talk through if they're like, Hey, why did you write that? And I've had conversations with like some players where I'm like this because of this. And they're like, Oh, and like, like I would never do that with Patricia. And then there's like the media circus too. It's just kind of like, it's forced me to be the one that's asking all the questions. And that has been awesome for my report. I've always been a good writer, but a pretty bad reporter. So this has really been amazing for me, like to mess up and to not be like roasted by Joe Haggerty or something. Hell yeah. What was it like kind of getting that offer from the athletic as young as you are and like based on like the trends, like of course there's like shams and stuff, like these really young people they're hiring, but a lot of it is like these absolute baller, respectable journalists. Just to have your name included in some of the hires that were made in such a short period of time to roll out nationally, like how cool is that? Yeah, it was sur- surreal. And when they hired me, they said they don't need the micro so right now they need the next micro so and they've all helped me so much in all of these people that I talk to every day that are um, like who used to be my heroes still are but like they are just amazing and so willing to help me and they like want to see me succeed so it was surreal obviously and then it still is surreal I guess but um, just knowing that like the people that I've looked up to are good people and that like the company was willing to chance on me was pretty great oh yeah Hell yeah. (laughs) Such a badass. Oh, no. I mean, yes. But also, like, obviously, and unfortunately, it comes with a territory that being a very public woman in sports, you deal with a lot on social media. And you handle it probably better than most people. But I know from I know from experience, it's not. It's not easy. Yeah, better is probably a subjective word because I know some things that I tweet do get me into trouble and I like there's a line to be found somewhere but like I'm cross it but that's just trying like that's just being a young reporter trying to figure out like what I'm trying to be. But yeah, I mean, I sometimes having a good day and then people are just so unnecessarily rude and it's like you just have to call them out just because I want people to see what women in sports deal with even if not every woman in sports always 
claps back. Like sometimes I get a response that's like, well, it seems like you're the only one that deals with this. I'm like, no, that's not true. I just am one of the only ones that respond to it because I, I feel bad for those people who suffer in silence that like didn't already have this persona of being a WWE heel. Like I, I feel like now that I have that, it's kind of easier to just kind of tell people to shut up. But I, I don't know. I go back and forth with this because you don't want to give people power or whatever, but um, I need people to know what it's like to just exist as a woman who likes sports on the internet. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I try to ignore and block out most of yeah. the crap that comes my way, but every once in a while, I'm like, no, you deserve to have your shit aired out. You deserve to be called out. You shouldn't just get to talk to people this way and you know, not have there be any single kind of repercussions for it. For the most part, even if I'm like saying something about a team or whatever, it's reactive. Like I'm not just going out there trying to bully people, you know, and if I'm, if I say something people don't like about, you know, for example, domestic abusers, and you're the one reacting to it by like attacking me, the only person that looks bad is you. Like you're, you're yelling at me because I don't think domestic abusers should be allowed to play baseball. That's the hill you want to die on? Really? The hill some people die on and just, you're taking time out of your day to, I just don't understand the psyche of it. It fascinates me. And that's sometimes why I look at it because I'm just like, who are these people? Are they walking among us? Yeah, I'm always curious when I go to Fenway, like there are people who come up to me at Fenway and they're super nice, but I'm, I'm always curious. Sometimes people kind of give me a look or something and I'm, they're not coming over to say something, but they are giving me a certain kind of look that's like, I know that girl from Twitter and I don't like her. (laughs) Um, Someone once told me they were standing in line and heard someone talking shit about my tweets. I'm like, imagine you're standing in line at like for food at Hurricanes game. And like, you're talking shit about my tweets. You're at the Canes game. Like, like you paid a lot of money for this and you're mad about my tweet that I probably tweeted (laughs) like on the toilet or something. Like, I think that's hilarious. Yeah. People don't seem to realize that like social media is not real life. You know, like I'm going to post a picture of a beautiful beach. I'm not going to post a picture of, you know, my face with a mud mask on it because I have a zit and, you know, I haven't gotten out of bed in three days because I'm depressed, you know? Yeah. Yeah. People, people just need to calm down. I know. I once had a stalker who knew my license plate number and then- No way. Can't, oh, like I, rem- the, I, I called feel the like I remember you tweeting about this. Yeah, like this guy just kept saying how he wanted to kill me and how ugly I am. And there was a gun in his profile. I, like I noticed it. Usually I notice things a few times and then I'm like, okay, this person is a repeat offender. Like I need to like see what's going on here. And then I looked at his tweets from like last, like a long time ago. And it was like, hey, your bumper... Um, fell off your car like you might want to get that fixed and I'm like oh, holy shit. That right after I got a car accident I looked up the date and I'm, I'm like oh my god and he's saying he wants to kill me so I called the police and all they can do is open up a file for when he eventually kills me but King's Twitter, <laughs> King's Twitter found out who he was and he was just like a lonely frat boy I'm like seriously like and he just had like a a fake profile picture and he had full counts to come at me I'm like you need mental help but I've finally gotten over it because he hasn't killed me yet now was yeah. he going wow. after other people was it, or was it like Twitter no just like at you 
just me. Maybe he didn't get the job. I don't know, but I don't know how to explain it. And it drives me crazy that I can't explain why people are this way, but I just know that it couldn't be me because I'm happy and healthy. Yeah, that's crazy. I mean, you seriously get it relentlessly. I feel yeah. like, I feel like I'm every, you can't tweet without someone in your mentions. How do you like decompress from that stuff? Like, do you have like a self-care routine or like, like breathing methods where like I would get so irate every night if I dealt with what you've dealt with online I know well I used to like I saw like I saw you tweeted the other day like sometimes I wish like I never started like any social media with my like journalism career and like that's so sad to me because you are such you're like literally one of the best Twitter follows in hockey it's like you and spit and chiclets and like what else do you need sometimes thank you I snapped out of that after I got like a bunch of dms from people that I actually respect but that wasn't even about trolls that was about like just feeling like it's either my identity or that I keep crossing lines that I don't like because it's weird to think about yourself as an image because that's not who I am in real life sometimes I'm like I'm not mean at all in real life and like I hate that people think that I'm mean but I'm like I'm gonna defend myself to people be like being mean to me but I just got like really I had a lot of time to think in the old quarantine so I was like also a few claws deep when I tweeted that but like the (laughs) the response I got to that okay thank you so much like I just slapped myself in the face and I was like all right but um it was just like something where somebody yelled at me that oh god like I just don't I regret this I just wish I could be somebody that just shuts up like but I can't that's not me I'm gonna play my strengths but um I did I used to go to the gym and like just hit things and that really but now um that's gone I still I go to therapy and literally talk about Twitter like but I think sometimes like when you're in our position that's one of the best things you can do that has really helped just knowing that I'm I make a lot of mistakes in life but I'm never purposely hurting someone's feelings on the internet that I don't know like helps a lot and that's basically it I used to go to boxing and I would just punch the hell out of that bag and like take out so much emotion on on it and that's was super helpful because you know people say like oh it's just social media it's just the internet but it's like you know what if you're if you're reading mean things that are being said about you all day long by people who do not know you as a person it's hard and and it's funny because the people who say like oh it's just social media I'm like yeah you try lasting one week with my dms Yeah. And it's never, never once has a woman said that to me and never, it doesn't matter if you have a lot of followers or not. Like, fuck, I wish I didn't have a lot of followers, but well, that's not true. Thank you. Like I have, I go back and forth (laughs) because it's like, I get so many opportunities because of Twitter. Yeah. Yeah. um, It's like, it's people that don't have a lot of followers saying that. And I'm like, yeah, that's easy to say, but like, you should spend a day looking at my Twitter mentions and I don't want to cry about it. There's other things going on in the world and I can handle it, but it hurts anyone who like is in the public eye in any capacity. Like even Taylor Swift, like she writes songs about it. Like people write songs about it. And it has like nothing to do with the way you do your job. Like it's always just like shit to put you down about like your appearance or like just, there's never any basis for it. 
I guarantee none of these people actually subscribe to The Athletic. You don't know my work. And I think my work is pretty damn good. <laughs> and um, I like, it's just such a fun on Twitter, right? And you like, we're all trying to navigate it in the new era of journalism. And like, I don't know, it's, it's tough because you want to tow the company, but you also want to be yourself because it's your own personal thing and it's your brand and whatever, but it's a lot for free. <laughs> Yeah, playing a big platform. Speaking (laughs) of like your work and like getting your opinions out there, you recently started a podcast called Too Many Men. How's that been going? I did. We're like on podception right now, talking about my podcast on a podcast. This is like peak. Um, We got to cross promote. (laughs) Yeah, Yeah, thanks. But um, what was what was the question? Sorry. How's it been going? Oh, it's been great. Um, I can't. I'm shocked. Like, I'm, it's such a positive thing. I just talk about hockey with my friends and I like two people that I respect and just two amazing women. And we like, we just have that space to talk and that like the amount of support, the fact that people would listen, I'm shocked that people would listen to a podcast and like would buy merch. I'm like absolutely blown away. Thank you. Like the support has just been mind blowing. And I know when people write those little like, I'm humbled and honored, but like, it's actually to realize that like, even throughout all the hate and all the whatever on social media, like there's people that actually like me. So thanks. Yeah. I mean, I've listened a few times and I think it's just, it's so refreshing. Like what else is there really like in hockey media right now? That's like what the three of you are doing and you're from, it's not like you're in a centralized location. Like you all write for very different markets. That's what I like about it. I like that we can all kind of like bring something to the table for people. And um, we just recorded like a few hours ago and I, we started talking about the Western conference because we hadn't done that that often. So I'm excited. And it's like, I love when I see women responding to my tweets, like about too many men, like, thank you so much for this podcast. It feels like I'm talking hockey with like three of my best friends I'm like because there isn't really that it doesn't feel in hockey podcasts and and there's so many hockey podcasts but it's like not a lot of women so here we are or some of your inspirations for it like what podcasts do you really like that you listen to or was it just like these are my friends that I know how I would have a good conversation with and we're totally just gonna like press record and like have some structure but just like let our conversation just take it away yeah I don't I think our inspiration was getting bored of all the hockey podcasts out there honestly because I mean they're shout out to puck bunnies those are our friends and um I am really close with them but um, I didn't ever think like oh I'm gonna copy them it's just I'm sick of listening to everyone recap the week that was in hockey and I'm like why don't we just do something but it has to be fun we have to have like a we do and like that's uh, we do the fuck Mary kills every week and that's um just a little fun you know like this is a sport people want to be entertained yeah I'm really enjoying it like hockey is definitely not in the top three on my power rankings for like my personal coverage and I love tuning in sometimes just because I get that like around the league sense where like I also feel like you guys have really good chemistry and it's like one of those podcasts that eventually you can see yourself like 
like I love like the part in my take guys and their oh. podcast and just like I'm at the point where like I've been listening so long that I feel like they're my friends and I feel like you guys have a dynamic that you kind of get that vibe on within your niche oh my god that's so sweet thank you we just went we've been talking about hockey and a group DM for a while and we're just like well why don't we just do this and record it <laughs> that's exactly how Gabrielle and I started like I love that and just yeah. like one day, just like, yo, I've been thinking about a podcast. Hey, I've been thinking about a podcast too. Oh, well, we should do this together because like, I don't know who else. Like we literally, we were talking about how we felt like there are tons of baseball podcasts, but they're all very, like with a few exceptions, they're all very much like, you know, and so-and-so is having this surgery and he's expected to be out for X amount of time. And it was just like a lot of news and not just people kind of shooting the shit about sports that they love. And we both love sports in general. Like I'm basketball and baseball and Al kind of loves all the sports, but together, like we're able to have, you know, these conversations with tons of people from all the all sports, all walks of life. And when we looked at the market for podcasts, we were kind of like, there really is no podcast that covers multiple sports and talks about like important issues in them that's from two female hosts giving like a woman's perspective on all these issues and just having good conversations. You know, it's kind of like I write the stories that I would like to read that I wouldn't find in other places. And that's kind of what we wanted for this pod was like, the kind of pod that we would like to listen to that we can't find somewhere else. And hopefully there's like other people that also feel that way when they listen to this one. Absolutely. I'm excited to come on. I love this. Um, it needs to be more of it. So I'm happy that you guys did it so I can actually listen. There's so many podcasts where I'm just like, I don't really want to listen to this, but I genuinely am excited to listen to your pod. Well, well that, makes, really- that makes us happy. Our like... <laughs> focus to like like you said with like the hockey podcast it was so much recapping what just happened and just like we want to be just a really guest driven show where you're just hearing like really cool stories in a really candid conversation like hopefully inspire not just other women but like people to just follow what they want to do and such hell yeah I keep saying that oh my god I'm like that's your quarantine uh, catchphrase hell yeah yeah, that's exactly how I feel. <laughs> Mine's been oh no, so I feel like I feel like I should be more Sarah than Gab right now because <laughs> I just keep saying oh no to everything. I'm like, oh, I just ate another bag of M&Ms. Oh no. It's it's, it's really positive thinking over here. <laughs> My mom got me for like we didn't really do like she always does like a little cute Easter thing. And uh, this year she couldn't. So like me and my 2018 to like mid 20 year old siblings and I didn't get Easter baskets for like the first time. And But she got me like a literally gallon bucket of peanut M&Ms from Costco. And I'm just like, this is going to be so bad because I'm next to these 24 seven. I mean, I've never done Easter before. So my boyfriend's mom ordered all this like Easter candy from Target and gave us a bunch of it. She didn't do Easter baskets, but she's like, here's a crap load of candy and just like gave it to us. And it was all gone long before Easter Sunday. I was just at my mom's for a few days and just like all the Easter food and stuff. I was like, oh my God, I need to get back to Boston now or else I'm going to be so fat if I stay here. Sarah, have you been home in Boston at all? Or have you kind of been like quarantining from your family and staying in North Carolina? Yeah, I'm in North Carolina. It sucks. 
like honestly, but dad has a heart problem, so I'm not gonna risk his life because it sucks to be here. But um, it doesn't sure suck not. to be in Raleigh, but I would be doing the same things at home. But um, I just miss them a lot, and it's been weird. But I know that the second that this is over, I'm definitely gonna go home and. I know that like, it was weird because I had to immediately self quarantine when I got home from traveling because we had been yeah. in Detroit and then we were in New Jersey and it's like, those are, Detroit was where the um, jazz player was. And then there were two Hurricanes employees exposed to it. And then I was on a plane with them <laughs> and then a very small plane. And then it was like the hotbed of New Jersey. So I had to quarantine for 14 days. And then at the end of that, it was pretty much like everything shut down. I shouldn't go home. And here we are. It's such <laughs> a counterintuitive thing to like, your first thing to do is just be home and be with your family. But then it's like, that's actually the worst thing you could do. So yeah, it's tough. I talk to him every day. Like, I love my dad. He's my best friend. So I'm like, dad, I want to come home, like blah, blah, blah. And he's like, I know it's tough. We can't be together, but we'll have so much fun once we are. Did you grow up doing like sports stuff with your dad? Like yeah, sharing, like going to games? I'm Celtics fan, but um, yeah. for whatever reason, the kids were in hockey. But I, I've i circled back to the Celtics now because it's so fun to watch with him. Now he's circled back to hockey because he, I let him watch with me sometimes. <laughs> my dad was my inspiration for like loving sports growing up because he's a historian and he, like I'd, I'd ask for a bedtime story. So he'd be like, all right, so it's Ted Williams. And like that got me into sports. But then he kind of got like out of sports and I kind of drew him back into them. Oh my God, that's so cute. It's like nice, you know, he's like yeah. the girl dad thing. I think one of the funnest parts for me about kind of pursuing this career is just kind of sharing it with my dad and just, and even my mom has gotten like, I've created a monster with her listening to Boston Sports Talk Radio and just, like, hitting me up about, like, random hot takes. It's just, it's a re- it's really fun to share it with your parents. Oh, yeah, for sure. I mean, my mom, my mom reads all my articles. She listens to, like, my pods and stuff. My parents got a puppy in November. And because I can't be home that much, she plays my podcasts for the dog. So the dog knows my voice. And so every day she puts on my other podcast, Locked on Red Sox, she plays it for the dog and the dog knows my voice. Oh my God. (laughs) Yeah, it's like really sweet. But then one day she asks me and my sister, she's like, should I join Twitter? And my sister just screamed, no, like really (laughs) loudly. And my mom was so taken aback. But like my mom should not be on Twitter just based on the way that people talk to women in baseball and sports in general, she would be very upset if she saw the things that people write to me. And it just wouldn't end well for anyone. She'd probably make me quit my job. Oh, yeah. It's it's tough, like, getting through those first times your parents are, like, aware of your how mean people are to you on the internet. But my dad loves Twitter. <laughs> My dad goes on Twitter to yell at Trump. <laughs> That's what my, my grandmother does that as well. She's like this teeny tiny little Portuguese immigrant woman and her whole entire Facebook is just like rants about in broken written English about Trump. And it's just so hilarious. I miss sports. Do you guys miss sports? Yes, <laughs> I do a lot. I was walking and I saw somebody on the other side of the road with a spin chiclets shirt an hour ago. And I was like, hockey. Me too. One question I want to ask you before we like start to wrap up is like, you're so funny. Where do you see like your comedy taking you kind of in your career? 
Thanks so much. I actually sometimes dream of being a comedian, but uh, that would take a lot of work and start over from an entirely different career. But uh, I love yeah. sports probably too much to ever leave, but maybe I, I'm really trying to figure that out because I feel like in some aspects, I want to find a way that it's not like two separate things and it's not like I'm damaging a different part of myself. What I mean, like, I feel like sometimes I'm a reporter and sometimes I'm telling jokes and I'm like, I, why not both that like meme? I'm, why can't I just yeah. figure out a way to like make that a strength, not a weakness or a distraction, you know? Honestly, like, I don't see any way you couldn't, I just like can so see you being like a Mina Kimes, Katie Nolan type, like the oh, medium of like Katie that. Nolan's old garbage time show. My God. And like whenever Mina goes on Levitard, like, and even with her writing, how funny they both are too. I think there's definitely ways that we're starting to see a lot of women do it. Oh my God. I feel like it's a niche of sports media that I feel at least more women are getting into like funnier content in sports media when they do stuff like that. Absolutely. And that's, I think that's just a unique niche, like you said, or niche, whatever the hell. First of all, Katie Nolan, marry me. I love you so like seriously. That is my, I think the reason I get a lot of hate, like I mean, there's a lot of reasons, but um, one, some of them valid, some not. But men have decided that women are allowed to be in sports now, but just so long as they aren't funny or they aren't trying to tell jokes or they aren't, they just have to report the news and smile and sit there. And yeah, we we champion women, but like no, like I I don't know. I, I a lot of the similar hate that Pete Blackburn gets, but like with the tinge of sexism and it's like I know that's because girls aren't allowed to be funny and like one of the cool things about I mean not cool because we're all trapped inside in a global pandemic but one of the unique things about this time is that we all have an opportunity to kind of build something completely new and there really aren't any rules so if you want to be like a comedic hockey writer sports personality like just do it who cares? It's awesome. You're hilarious and a talented sports writer. You can, like like you said, why not both? Right. I say right. go for it. And at the same time, I still feel young enough in my career that I don't have to figure it out. And like, I would tell you ladies that too, like you don't have to feel like you have to figure yourself out every second. Like try to enjoy the ride. Rod Brindamore told me that. He, I asked him once what he wishes he had done when he was a player more. And he said, I wish I'd just stopped and realized how cool this was and smelled the roses and just appreciated it more because he was always looking for the next thing, the next goal, the next cup, the next whatever. Now as a coach, he's trying to just soak things in more because you don't know how many moments you get. We're lucky to be doing what we're doing. And I'm trying to, I don't always succeed. I I don't even say I often succeed, but I try to, ever since he said that, just kind of enjoy where I'm at and know that it doesn't have to be the end all be all, but it's pretty sick right now. Absolutely. And I mean, you should be so proud of everything that you've already accomplished, let alone the fact that your star is only just rising now. Oh my God. Can I come on here <laughs> every day? You guys are so sweet. Third, well, third honestly, member of Girl at the Game. You. If we get the NHL back, we're really going to need you because, like, we can compromise yeah. with, like, my football basketball niche I've created and her Red Sox basketball niche. Like, we're going to need to outsource a lot of hockey content. So this yeah. is just, like, an open invitation right now. Call me up whenever. I'll be – I'll say yes. <laughs> 
So we have a few questions that we're asking everybody because we like to hear everyone's different answers. We're just curious. For starters, the craziest thing someone has ever said to you online. Oh, the craziest yeah. thing. Um, <laughs> it's I, a hard one. Um, like what kind of crazy? Like fun crazy or like? That's up to you. I think the person with knowing my bumper was broken is probably, that's the only time I've ever called the police and got a therapist. So I think that will do it. And that like said they want to cut my skin off and wear it as a mask and also knows what my car looks like. That's pretty crazy. (laughs) (laughs) Anyway, (laughs) what are you hoping to get out of this time? I've realized I was just talking to my therapist about this today, actually, that, um, there's a lot, I'm so busy all the time that I use that kind of a coping mechanism to instead, like for any negative thought, it's like, oh, I can just simply go on this airplane and focus on my career and then be in this place and do all these things because it's new to me other than like being alone by myself. I'm kind of forced right now. Like it's pretty uncomfortable to just think about like things that I've probably need, I've needed to address for a while, just like mentally. And now I'm hoping to come out of this, like actually addressing things instead of just like forcing myself to focus on work. So that. Awesome. Yeah, that's like really great advice. I avoid things a lot, but um, there's Same. no choice here. So. And on a happier note, what is your favorite sports memory? And it can be like a game you played in, a game you watched, a game you covered, anything. Okay, I'll do one from a sports perspective and then like a journalism perspective. I think my favorite game I ever covered was double overtime at Joe Louis Arena watching Penn State hockey win the Big Ten title because there was a lot going on at the time. And I was like, you know what, guys, like, I think it's a good idea for me to go to this tournament. I'm going to like use some of our little money from our blogs up to go and we're just going to go to Detroit for a few days. And then it ended up working out and um, those guys were great. It was just so entertaining because... I mean, it was double overtime two nights in a row, and then they just ended up winning both of them, and that was fun. But I think my favorite journalism moment, just talking to Jake DeBrusque after that game seven, because he, I've never seen somebody like so happy in his entire life. I just will never forget the way that he like looked and how he was smiling. And I was like, it was incredible. And I remembered like it was in a very long season I had started in Pittsburgh and then like we can all read what happened to me on Deadspin and then I just hearing him like getting to write about the best moment of his life was like an honor and I remember thinking that's why I'm in this so definitely those are great ones and obviously our first hockey one since you are our first hockey guest of the entire show so thank you times a million for coming on and being our guest and please come back anytime Thank God. Anytime. Thanks for having me. Of course. Thank you for giving us someone to talk to because I think <laughs> we're all just like sitting alone right now. The whole world's going to come out of this with a podcast. Everybody just, everybody just bam. Okay, guys. So we know that that was a lot today. Um, we got into some heavy topics and, you know, there's a lot of things that we talked about that there's no one defining answer or 
one right or wrong, a lot of gray area and stuff that is hard to talk about, hard to handle, hard to process. But we said from the beginning that that's how the show is going to be sometimes. It's not always going to be the light and breezy stuff. And unfortunately, in the sports world this week, there was a lot of stuff that just wasn't light and breezy. Uh, Not everything is going to be as sweet as Taco Fall reading children's books on Instagram. But speaking of social media, you can always follow us and interact with us at Girl at the Game on both Instagram and Twitter. And thanks so much for tuning in. We just want to bring you as much unique sports content as possible. We have two really exciting guests for you guys next week. First, we have my dear friend, Angelique Fisk, who is lifestyle editor at Patriots.com. We get into some really fun stuff with her about the inner workings of working for the Patriots. And for our second episode next week, we have a very special guest from the baseball world. He's a Red Sox World Series champion, and that's all you're going to get out of us right now. You'll just have to wait and see who it is. But we are so excited to have these two amazing episodes next week. Thanks so much again for tuning in, and we will send you off into your weekend with some Mariah Carey. Yeah. For somebody who appreciates all the love I give, boy.